Welcome to A Shower of Roses. I'm Jenna, your host. On this podcast, we read together the readings for the upcoming Sunday Mass in the Roman Catholic Church, so that when you walk into Mass on Sunday, you feel enlightened and empowered with the knowledge of the Gospel that you need to have a meaningful and personal experience with Christ every week. I'm Catholic, but you certainly don't have to be to listen to this podcast. The Gospel is for anyone, anywhere, at any state of life. We're so glad you're here. Welcome back to the podcast. Today is the seventh Sunday in Ordinary Time in year A of the Roman Catholic Church. And once again, I am joined by my wonderful fiancé, Paul. How are you? Good, how are you? Great. (laughs) Um... (laughs) So we've talked about your, you know, your faith journey before, but um, like I asked you last time, is there anything that um, has been going on in your life or in your heart or anything that you've been like reading or taking in that has been bringing you closer to God lately? One of the one of the books I've been reading recently um, has, yeah, I, I try to pick up a couple of books to really try to supplement because I think one of the things that it can be really hard to do, especially when it comes to faith and especially when it comes um, to really spending time with God is really staying vigilant, uh, really staying vigilant and really trying to stay on top of what you should be doing. Uh, so when I'm on my way to work and on my way home, I usually will try to read a book. And I've been reading a book um about St. Peter, uh, which was written by uh, Dr. Timothy Gray. Uh, And it really walks through a couple of the decisions Peter has as like a disciple of the church and that I'm not done with it yet. Uh, But I've been able to find a lot of really great examples of Peter because the, the thing that I love about Jesus and him picking the apostles and uh, and his disciples is the fact that they're not all perfect mm. uh, and they're really far from perfect. And I think a lot of us very often have a situation where we feel far from perfect and we don't feel worthy to be um, Jesus's disciples uh, or followers of Jesus even. Uh, and all that we really have to do is just really look at the people who he chose mm. Uh, you know, he had tax collectors. He had like poor, like uneducated fishermen, but yet he made them, he made them great. And I think with each one of us, he makes us great as well. And I think, I think that's one of the realizations that has really hit me, I guess, in the last couple months since I've been on the podcast. But I, I really try to find experiences like that because I'm like, you know, it, it helps keep, you know, in addition to not only just receiving the Eucharist and receiving the sacraments, uh, I really think that finding opportunities like that, whether it's through reading or through Bible studies or uh, through talking with others about faith, I think it's really important to continue to nourish that faith that we have. Um, so the name of the book is Peter. It's like Peter, the keys to following Jesus. Oh, cool. And what part are you at now, like? Uh, I'm at the, um, I'm at X right now. 
So I've gone through like his whole. Oh, so did did you already get to the part where he denies Jesus? Yes. Interesting. Yeah. And talking about like the perils of following at a distance, you know, talking about you know where he's following, where you know when we follow Jesus from a distance, it's kind of what I was just talking about. Kind of what I was just talking about that idea that if you aren't in, if you're not staying close to God, if you're not staying close to him, if you're not nourishing your faith and you're following Jesus at distance, it's much easier to deny. Wow. It's much easier to deny Christ. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'll have to borrow that from you. Please, please do. Please do. Yes. Wonderful. Thanks for sharing that. Oh, of course. Of course. Podcast helps too, of course. Because you do such a great you you do such a great thing week in, week out. Uh really, you know, your podcast and I'm sure not just for me, but for many of the other listeners as well, just is a really great sense of nourishment. Um, you know, to keep nourishing what we, a lot of people generally breeze over on a Sunday, but really we take a deep dive in each week. So thank you for also providing that nourishment as well. You're welcome, Bob. Thanks for being on it. Hey, anytime. Anytime. Literally. Okay, shall we dive into the readings for the week? <laughs> of course, no problem. Okay, so the first reading is from the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verses 1 to 2, and verses 17 to 18. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the whole Israelite community and tell them, Be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. You shall not bear hatred for your brother or sister in your heart. Though you may have to reprove your fellow citizen, do not incur sin because of him. Take no revenge and cherish no grudge against any of your people. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Mm. Anything that sticks out to you? I think, you know, a lot of people, you know, uh, Jeff Cavins always has this uh, this joke when you read through the Bible where you're like, you, everybody's like, all right, you start reading Genesis and you're like, yeah, I've got this. And then you read through Exodus and you're like, I've got this too. And then you start reading Leviticus and oh, Leviticus no. is just laws. laws. And so the one thing that you really have to appreciate about Leviticus is that it's very direct. Yeah. Here is what the there's law no is. Symbolism. Yeah. Yeah. There's no symbolism. There's no like allegory. Time. It's very, here are the laws. Uh, and I think that there's a big lesson, uh, within all of this, especially in the reading today that I think I can really pull a lot of, which is, uh, though you may have to reprove your fellow citizen, do not incur sin because of him. Mm. Uh, and I think of like, personally for me, I think of my career as a teacher mm. where like, you know, a student's giving you a hard time and they really want to make you sin. Yeah. They really want to like make you get angry unjustly or make you lose your patience or uh, make you say things that you shouldn't be saying. And it's really hard to do that. And at times, you know, if they're talking about things that are inappropriate, if they're talking about things like that, you do have to reprove. Mm. You do have to reprove, but you shouldn't incur sin. And I think of that with like friends, um, friends or family, um, you know, 
whenever we want to, I guess, offer correction, which is not the easiest thing to do, especially with peers or with family, um, we have to do it in a spirit of love. Yeah. And, you know, that goes again with the line before, you should not bear hatred for your brother or sister in your heart. Uh, I think that, um, you know, whatever we do, we have to do in a spirit of love. And even though we might see family, friends, students, uh, people taking the wrong path, if we're having a conversation with them, it shouldn't be out of, you know, complete disapproval. Um, but we should treat them as our, you know, we, we should treat them in a spirit of love. Yeah. Um, I like that word reprove because it reminds me of, um, baking to prove, you know, when you prove your bread, you know, you give it time to, to rise up and to, to firm and to become what it, what it is, what it's supposed to be. So to reprove someone maybe just made me think of that as how, like the refinement, you know what I mean? When we do it, it's out of, it's out of love. Um, and I also think of how people say, you know, we shouldn't judge, don't judge, we can't be judges. I'm like, we're not called to judge as into like condemn people to heaven or hell, but we are called to judge actions. Um, and so I think that's what it's talking about here. Like sometimes we do have to correct each other, but again, like it's out of love, you know what I mean? So if you, you know, if you're going to mass with someone and and, you know, it's 15 minutes before mass starts and they're about to eat, like, a cookie. You know, it's okay to remind them, like, hey, don't forget about the fast. Um, in a spirit of love, because you just want them to have the full, you know, mass experience of, you know, having only the Eucharist in your in your stomach for that, you know, when you receive it. So anyway, um, I was just thinking that, like, that phrase, don't judge others, is, like, sometimes overused because although we're not meant to judge people, we are meant to, we are called to judge actions out of, out of love in the spirit of love. Like you said. Um, yeah. Okay. Now I want to talk about the beginning part where he said, where God says to Moses, um, tell them be holy for I, the Lord, your God am holy. Um, that's like the definition of like easier said than done. He make, and, Absolutely. And, it, and it makes me confused because God knows how fickle and unfaithful the Israelites are. So he's like, yeah, just be holy. Just be holy because I'm holy. Like, that seems like the worst advice he could get. I'm not saying God is giving bad, ad bad advice, but it seems so counter to the specific. This whole book of Leviticus is filled with laws teaching them how to be holy. And yet here he just says, be holy, find me holy. It seems like he's being far too general with his instructions. I think it's almost setting a standard. It is. Yeah, it's setting a standard. And yeah, absolutely. And, you know, anybody familiar with salvation history knows that the Israelites fail so many times, as we do as well. But it sets that standard. It's saying, hey, look, you know. As the Lord, I'm not going to settle for less. Mm. I'm not going to settle for less. Be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. 
you know, we want, you know, when, when we say people should be godlike, you know, if we're going to be, you know, if we're all, we're all striving to be saints, right? We, we have to strive to be holy. Right. We have to strive to be perfect in the image and likeness of God, right? And when we say the image and likeness of God, it's just not an appearance, but an action. Yeah. Yeah. The, you're right. The bar is, the bar is perfection. And God is not going to lower that because he can't lower the standard of heaven because heaven is perfection. So we need to rise to that. So. Yeah. And I think he knows, I think he knows that we're gonna fail. we fail. Because we're designed with free will. Correct. I was, I teach, I teach a prep class at my parish. Uh, and I was, I, I, we were talking about conversion and forgiveness, uh, this past week. And one of the things that we talked about is like, look, you know, God knows that we're going to fail and look, do, do we, do we have to turn back to him? No, but no matter what, God's always going to be looking for us. Mm-hmm. And ready to accept us right. when we want to turn back. Right. You know, so it, it's an extremely high standard, but it's a standard that we really need to rise to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Can I do the second reading? That's all you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the second reading this week is from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 3, verses 16 to 23. Brothers and sisters, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For the temple of God which you are is holy. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among among you considers himself wise in this age, let him become a fool so as to become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in the eyes of God. For it is written, God catches the wise in their own ruses. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. So let no one boast about human beings, for everything belongs to you. Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death, or the present or the future, all belong to you and you to Christ and Christ to God. Thoughts? I don't. I feel unfamiliar with this passage. I feel like I've heard it before. I feel like it's it's been a little while. Yeah. A little while. Um. I think the big thing that I'm getting about this is you know you know thinking about kind of connecting what we were talking about in the first reading that idea that you know God has this standard right God has this standard that you know. That we are made in his image and likeness and that we need to strive for that. Uh, and, you know, he, Paul expands upon this even further. The idea that we are the, we're God's temple. Like God dwells within us, right? Mm. Uh, through the gift of the Holy Spirit, you know, you know, God dwells in you. And I, I like how he asked at the beginning, do you not know that you are the temple of God? So it's like, come on, like, you know what you should be doing. Right. And you're not doing it. 
come on, like, do you not know that God dwells in you? Right. If you're God-fearing, if you're a Christian, like, isn't that uh, what should be? And I think that a lot of what Paul is doing here is that he's uh, he, he's pointing out the fact that, you know, there's more to this world, you know, than the world itself to be humans. You know, it's like, and when, when he's talking about if anyone among you considers himself wise in this age, you know, he's a fool. Yeah. Right. Um, so, and I, and I love that line for the wisdom of this world is foolishness in the eyes of God. Mm. Uh, saying, let's like, look, you know, you're made for more. You're the temple of God. You're made in the image and likeness of God. You have this standard that you need to reach. Uh, and like whatever, if you're trying to adapt to this world because you want to fit in and you want to, you know, overall, like, you know, you want everyone to like you and accept you. Um, and you change yourself because of that, Mm. that is foolishness. Yeah. And I think also it's like, where it says the wisdom of this world. Where is that? Oh, thank you. Um, the wisdom of this world is foolishness in the eyes of God. It's also like, you know, the wisest person on earth. That's a drop in the bucket of God's wisdom. Yeah, right? absolutely. Um, and then also that, you know, in the moments where I've felt the wisest, you know, don't come to God and say, I'm so wise. Because he will humble you like instantly you know what i mean like we have to have we have to balance that wisdom that that we have you know a lot of people are very wise and that's a gift from god but we do have to balance that with humility you know what i mean and and uh not getting haughty you know full of ourselves i really like the line that says um at the beginning where it says if anyone destroys god's temple god will destroy that person um, you know, talking about the fact that the body is a temple. Um, if anyone desecrates, you know, another human body or takes advantage of a human body, makes the human body an object, um, it says straight up, God will destroy that person. And that might not be obviously like God will smite you with, you know, a fire. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, th- I see it more as, you know, when you desecrate someone else or make them, you know, an object, either sexually or however, um, it's the guilt that you will deal with because of your sin. That will destroy a person. You know, we can, there are so many people that, you know, have been destroyed by their own guilt. And so God allows that to happen so that we, you know, we have to feel guilt so that we feel remorse for our sins. Um, I just really like that Paul mentioned that that, you know, the human body is sacred and that we are not to destroy another, you know, we're all temples of God and we're not to take advantage of another person because they are also a temple of God. I love that line at the end as well. So let no one boast about human beings for everything belongs to you. And then mentions a couple of examples, all belong to you and you to Christ and Christ to God how true how true that is and how often we forget that yeah that nothing in this life is ours at all mm-hmm. how's it going all comes from it flows from god and we're to give it all back to god all right 
It's like that hymn, like We Belong to You. We belong to you. That's the one. <laughs> right, shall we move on to the gospel? Absolutely. Uh, this is the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 38 to 48. Jesus said to his disciples, You have heard that it was said, An eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, Offer no resistance to one who is evil. When someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other one as well. If anyone wants to go to law with you over your tunic, hand over your cloak as well. Should anyone press you into service for one mile, go for two miles. Give to the one who asks of you, and do not turn your back on one who wants to borrow. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly father. For he makes his sun rise on the bad and the good and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Do not the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, what is unusual about that? Do not the pagans do the same? So be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. That last line is so parallel to that line from Leviticus where, where he says, Be holy, for I am holy. Right. It's like, okay, but that's a really hard thing to do, Jesus. You know, he makes it sound so easy. Yeah, and the, the, the great selection of these readings today that all share this common thread of expectation and uh, kind of setting the standard for what we should, uh, how we need to live. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing is that when you look at the footnotes for where Jesus says, um, you've heard it said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Um, it takes you to Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18 where it says, um, take no revenge um, and cherish no grudge against your own people. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Directly from the first reading. Right. So, but that, it's interesting that Jesus quotes it as, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Because that's not actually what he's, that's not actually what is said in Leviticus. It says, it says, take no revenge and cherish no grudge against your own people. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So, I don't know. What do you what do you make of that, Paul? Because he doesn't. Act, Leviticus does not actually say hate your enemy. It says take care of your own people. It doesn't actually address the enemy. Right, but I think that you know, I think God was understand like, like he knew that the people of the time. You know, it was like I I remember the one where where Jesus is talking about divorce, and he said Mo, Moses only allowed. Moses allowed you to divorce because of your hardness of heart and and that where it's like not that God had a lower standard for the Israelites as we mentioned but um like I feel like enemy wasn't mentioned but I think it was like not that it was implied but I feel like I think Jesus is taking this line and saying well look he might have added that line but saying we've that was the understanding 
right. of the time. Yeah, it's the understanding. Like, I think that, you know, this is an example of raising the bar. You know? Absolutely. Saying that, that bar was raised. You know, that be holy, for I the Lord am holy. Right. But now it's saying, okay, well, you should love your neighbor as yourself, but love your enemies too. And be perfect, and not be, just be and holy. And be perfect. Be perfect. Okay, I get what you're saying. Yeah. You also got to put it in the context of the Israelites in that they kind of had to hate their enemies because they were, you know, trying to get into their promised land. Correct. And so they had to defeat their enemies in order to do that. Absolutely. Okay. All right. That makes more sense to me now. Um, other thoughts. There was one line. Oh, I love the line that says, should anyone press you into service for one mile, go for two miles. That I just think about, you know, people's journeys and their walks with Christ, you know, through their lives. And to accompany someone in that way. Um, it's just, I don't know, it's a very, very beautiful visual to think about, you know, accompanying someone on their journey with Christ. And it, it's, you know, it might start at, you know, back here where they didn't even know Jesus. They weren't even Christian. And so you take that walk with them and... And you go even further than is necessary because that's a, that's a problem in evangelization is that sometimes we focus so much on catching the fish that we don't form, you know, that we don't raise them up, that we don't form them. Like, I think some people are focused so much on, you know, gaining disciples and evangelizing new disciples, new disciples, new disciples. Okay. But what are we doing when we get them in the door and they're baptized? Are we nurturing them? Are we forming them? Yeah. Are we nurturing them? Are we walking that second mile with them? I like that. I've never thought of that reading that way. That's no, it just struck me. I think it's a beautiful visual. This, and you know, I love the the that higher standard that he is that he's calling us to. Because I think I feel like sometimes we need that. Because you know, in a way, you know, all of us, when it comes to faith, are children, no matter how old we are. Mm. No matter how old we are, we're, we, always we're always children of God. And I feel like this is that reminder. Like, I think, I think, I think sometimes again, you know, as like a teacher, sometimes you need a little bit of a reminder about what you should be doing. Like as a student, like what you should be doing, what you have to be doing. And I think when he says like, Hey, look, you know, you, you, you might've heard like back Back in these times, like an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But remember, there's more to it. Right. There's more to it than just the basics, you know. When and I love the imagery on there. When someone strikes you on your right cheek, you turn the other cheek. Mm. You know when, um, you know, you know if you're loving your enemy, um, <coughs> and pray for those who persecute you. Which I, mm. I really try. I really try to do that in my, I really try to do that in my own life. There was, a, um, uh, I was a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, I, one of the priests at my parish, uh, mentioned in this homily, something about, you know, we're, we're talking about praying, praying for your enemy, um, whether or not your enemy prays for you. Mm. Uh, and really, I, I really think it's one of these things where that this all they the readings always come at the perfect time, but I think it's a good reminder. Mm -hmm. It's a good reminder of saying that 
yeah, we really need to make sure that, you know, we, if somebody hits us, that doesn't mean be a weakling, right? It means standing up, but not like, you're not being aggressive. You know, you are, you know, as what we talked about with the first reading, you're approaching things in a spirit of love. Uh, you are not just approaching things in a spirit of love where you're not being aggressive with somebody. If somebody's asking you for something to help people out, but also taking it one step further and really sharing love and um, praying for people who day in, day out, we may not like, but we have to love them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what he's getting at at the end, that it's not... It's easy to love people that love you back. Right. It's hard to love um, your enemy. Um, yeah, and then he's like, well, anyone can love those that, are, that love you. That's easy to do. Um, it's easy to be in a mutual, you know, loving relationship. Not just romantic, but any relationship where there's mutual love. Um... And so I think it's interesting that the one, you know, he's saying at the end of this all, it's loving your enemies that will make us perfect. Do not the pagans do the same, so be perfect. It's loving our enemies that's going to help us become perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts? I feel like, you know, then I think really the nice thing with all of these readings that there is that common thread where it's like, okay, got to set the standard, but we really got to reach. Yep. We've got to reach for it. And I think Jesus gives us a good roadmap in this gospel for that standard that we need, you know, for being the temple of God, mm. for, you know... You know, for being able to understand God's wisdom, for loving our na loving our neighbor and loving our enemies. And I think Jesus gives us a good roadmap for how to do that here. Yeah. Like in what the, the, the verse that you were talking about before, you know, going for two miles with someone instead of just one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you got a challenge for us? Uh, I feel like... Um, I, the one thing that was on my heart, cause I knew you were going to ask this question, mm -hmm. uh, was I think day in, day out, I think it's very hard for us to love those people that give us problems or love people that we might not get along with all the time. Uh, and a lot of times in our lives, we feel like we come, come up short that we don't feel like we're. You're worthy of God and you're worthy of being his disciple. Uh, and I guess my, my challenge this week would be to pray for the grace that we can do. Because nothing's impossible with God. Hmm. And that if that is something that you're struggling with, because it certainly is something that I do struggle with day in and day out. Uh, which I know many people do, um, I would say just pray for the grace to love our enemies. Mm. Not that we're going to find perfection right away, but that God can give us the grace to strive for sainthood, to strive for that perfection. Mm -hmm. 
And with Lent coming up, because this will be the last Sunday. Yes, this is Lent, it. Um, maybe offer up, you know, whatever you're sacrificing for Lent or doing for Lent. Offer up the, you know, the small suffering that that might cause you, that that sacrifice might, might cause you. You know, offer it up for the souls of your enemies, for their salvation and for their holiness. Um, or you could, you know, Lent's like, you know, four or five weeks. Think of, pray for someone different intentionally every day of the week. You know. I love and, that. Yeah, thank you. Well, it's, I was just going off of what you said. But it, I feel like it would be interesting to see how your heart softens you know, if you pray for that person every day of the week, how one's heart might soften to that person by the end of the weekend. And, um, I don't know, just a thought. That might be a good, a good practice. I like it. Thanks. Thanks for being on, love. Of course, anytime, as always, yes. I appreciate <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, it I'm sure I'll be here again. <laughs> so. right, once we're married, you're going to be on here all the time. I'm sure. Thank you for having me on. You're welcome. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Please be sure to subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode. And it would be awesome if you could give us a good rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. Those ratings help us get this message of the gospel out to as many people as possible. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at A Shower of Roses and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash A Shower of Roses podcast. You can also check out A Shower of Roses podcast.com for more information about the show or to send us an email or feedback. We'll see you back here next Wednesday. God bless you and have a great week. Carry your word as you can.